Hello everyone, David here from the Open Perspective. I uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys an idea of how this episode's going to go. Um, sorry for the delay in the episode. We really, really wanted this to be our next episode, um, and the timing just had to be right. You'll kind of figure out why as you listen. Uh, John and I meet a lot of different people when we're out on tour, and there's certain people that we really click with and kind of build a relationship with, and our next guest is one of those people that I would say is someone that we kind of connected with um, and we're just you know, having good conversation with similar interests. Uh, and as we started to hear more about him and who he was, we kind of felt like we wanted to just share his story, being that he's like our typical guest on the open perspective, a very humble person, um, has accomplished quite a bit. And the build process on what he's done is, is pretty great. So hearing his story has been uh, a really good one for us, and we hope it is for you too. Uh, it'll be worth it. Please sit through the whole thing. Thanks. Welcome, everybody, to Open Perspective. My name is David. I'm here with my co-host, John. How you guys doing today? And today, our special guest is Damien Scott. What's up, Damien? How's it going? Going good. How are you? Oh, we're doing great, man, on this uh, Sunday afternoon. It's a, it's been a, it's been a good one. My peace of mind for me is uh is different today. I'm on, uh, I start my vacation, so I'm off oh, for nice. the next week. Nice. Oh, there so you go. I'm very much in relaxed mode. The last two <laughs> days have been like very unplanned. Everything's like, I don't care what needs to get done. I'm just going to kind of go about it as it happens. Just do it. Yeah. yeah that's great. That's great. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, definitely. I'm glad to have you on and glad we can make it happen. I was a little worried from the get-go, being that you're three hours ahead of us and we normally do this in the evening. And I was like, uh, we're going to have to try to figure out how to make this work, um, mostly for you, because we don't want you to be at, you know, middle of the night falling asleep on the on the podcast. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a late worker. Gotcha. Cool, man. Are you, um, so for those listening, you're in New York City. Yep. Um, are you originally from New York? I was born in, in New York. I was born in Brooklyn. And then uh, I moved to a town called Montclair in New Jersey when I was uh, really young. Um, and I, so I, I'm, I was raised in, in this town called Montclair uh, for most of my life. But my uh, dad and his family live in Jamaica, Queens. Um, you know, for, it's like where 50 Cent's from and where St. John's University is. Uh, so I spent all my summers there. So I was always in and out of New York City. It wasn't like I was never uh, too far away. But um, Man. If, if anyone ever asks me, like, where are you from? I always say I'm from Montclair. I never say Jersey. I always say Montclair. Yeah, specifically. I think, I, yeah, I think there's a uh, big distinction between the two. Right. That's funny. Yeah, I wasn't sure, man. Like, there's... Uh... Just through conversation, I'm like, I don't know if you've been on the East Coast your entire life. It just seems like you've been different places, you know? Yeah, I've been on the East Coast uh, my whole life. But there's been some jobs that have, uh, because of the nature of the job, I've had to fly to the West Coast a lot. Like, um, gotcha. Like a few years ago when I was 
at Complex, I had to go to LA for a week at a time, like every month. So I was like always, always there. And that was, um, that was interesting. Oh, wow. That is cool. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to jump right into it, I'm, I'm curious as to what... So the first thing that I was talking to John about, basically, if you take everything that you do and sum it up, it's pretty much... Um, wow. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> um, what, like, what would you say that? Did you go to school for what you do, or did you just kind of fall into it? Uh, sort of both. So, I uh, I went to St. John's University uh, in Queens, and um, when I got there, I, I was a pre-law student, and they had this program. St. John's has a really good law school. Uh, they have this program where you could, if you tested into it, you can have like a very, um, what's the word, like a truncated education, essentially, like you do your undergrad, and then you essentially flow right into your law school, like if you pass the JD. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, JD, sorry, if you pass your LSATs, then you can go to law school and get your JD. So I was on that, on that path, because I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to to do with my life and uh being a lawyer seems like very very responsible and very uh <laughs> very lucrative <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely so i was like fuck it i'm gonna do that and then um got to got to st john's and was in the program for like a few months and i was like damn i i absolutely hate it uh at the same time i was meeting a bunch of people you know as you do freshman year you just like meet all these new people and you you start to like gravitate towards uh the groups of people who are into the same things that you were into and so i started right. gravitating towards uh towards people who are into art and making art and um you know basically anything that had to do with the creation and consumption of art i gra- i gravitated toward those people so i was in a group of friends that was very into like photography and making short films and making music i had a lot of friends that rapped and a lot of friends that made music, that like made beats. And uh, so I started gravitating towards them. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do law anymore. Uh, but I don't know what else I wanted to do. So I was like, I'm going to sit tight and just, you know, see where it goes. Um, right. And so every weekend, my friends and I would abscond to the city on the train, on take that long ass train ride into Manhattan and hmm. uh, just bounce around. And one weekend, I was reading an article. I think it was on All Hip Hop. They had an article about this new, uh, a new um, <laughs> hip hop art gallery, and nice. it was it was called iJammy, and it was made by a guy named Bill Adler. And um, I saw that, and I was like, "Oh man, a hip hop art gallery! Like this is, this is speaking to us. Like we gotta go here. Like this is exactly the type of shit that we need to be on right now." And uh, so all my friends. Um, all my friends were like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And then the day of, like, no one wanted to go. Because it was a long trip to, by train to go from Jamaica, Queens to Manhattan. It wasn't like a a short, like, you know, hop, skip, and a jump. Right, it, right. It, was a, it was a trek. So few trains, possibly. Yeah, few yeah. trains. Like, for us, it was a bus and a few trains. So right. it, was like, it was like, shit. Like, a lot of kids who went to St. John's were like, oh, I'm going to be in the city. I'm going to be I'm gonna be there. Because a lot of kids also applied to, like, NYU. 
then right. when they got to St. John's, they were like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're in Queens, dog. Yeah, I think uh, people outside of the East Coast, uh, their idea of like, like you say New York, and they, they automatically assume it's like saying L.A., you know what I mean? Right, right. And it's like New York's a state. So that's, that's think right. of California, not L.A., you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you talk about the city, and the city's big, man, especially even if you're, you're in Queens. It's definitely like a whole, uh, you know, it's completely outside of that. I understand, you know, the boroughs get people confused, I think. It makes it feel like it should be really close, but right. it's definitely right. not. Yeah. So, so there was, um, there was one day when like, all my friends were supposed to come with me and, um, they, they all were just like, nah, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna chill here. So I was like, cool. And I went and it was in the gallery district. It was on 25th and 11th. And, uh, I remember going to the building and, you know, it was like, it's kind of run down building. I'm walking up the steps and it's like, it's like not completely derelict, but it, compared to the rest of the buildings in the gallery district, it was like the least upcut building. Right. But but to me, I was like, oh man, this is so hip hop. Like, this is so dope. Of course this shit's in this building. Like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, uh, but I get I get up there and I, op- I knock on the door where it's supposed to be and there's just this old white guy who's sitting behind a desk and uh, and I was like, hey, I'm I'm looking for for iJammy. He's like, oh yeah, this is it. And I think there was like maybe one or two photographs on the wall, and what? I was like, I was like, what? yeah, I was like, what the hell is this? And uh, started talking to him, and it, uh, I'm not sure if you guys know who Bill Adler is. He he was um, he's done a bunch of things, but he was the head of publicity for Rush Management. And Rush Management was the management company that Russell Simmons owned when he right. started yeah, yeah, Def Jam. Yeah. So Bill was in charge of all the publicity for all the artists on Rush Management. So he's like Run DMC, LL Cool J, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, and then he, you know, also did a bunch of other stuff. Like he wrote the book on Run DMC, um, and this was like his latest endeavor. And when I met him, I didn't. I thought Bill Adler was black. I never saw a photo of him. And so <laughs> when, I, when I met him and I realized he was Bill Adler, I was like, oh, my God, dude. That's what? so crazy. What year is this that this is all happening? This is, uh, this is, my, this is what, 2006 or seven, maybe? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, thought, I thought there was already, like, docs out and stuff already that would, would have allowed you to realize that he wasn't black but maybe maybe not maybe that came later or maybe yeah i just didn't see them i just yeah. got because i've heard the name before and i've you know i knew that like, i knew about the book that he wrote i just didn't know it's that. funny how with it seems like things surrounding def jam that there's kind of you know i mean rick rubin like i feel like there's still people to this day that don't know who rick rubin is and then yep people That's who figure crazy. out who rick rubin are they like you know, it's almost like they understand that there's this person who's responsible for these things, but they've never actually seen him. Right. And I think if he wasn't so much of like a, I don't know the good word for it, but like he's a character, you know, like you see him, there, there is no other Rick Rubin, you know, like right. he just, he's an individual person that you will see once and you will know for sure that's him, you know? Yeah. 
And yeah. if he wasn't that type of person, maybe it would uh, make a little bit more sense. I mean, it would. What I mean is, if he wasn't that type of person, less people would know what he looks like. You know what I mean? Right. But because and they're like, oh, there's this dude with the huge beard, the white guy that's all into hip hop, and he's responsible. That's the only reason why I feel like people really even know who he is. You know? Yeah. And like you know, he's he's um, a wildly accomplished producer who has like these really well-known uh like quirks and 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 you know personality traits like when people go to his uh his studio he forces everybody to like you know take their shoes off and meditate and and uh yeah he's very like he's a very spiritual person Yeah, Yeah. yeah like he's he's all about that kind of stuff so i think people hear that like if you read any any article or any interview with any of the artists who have worked with him um they always have like the same t- type of story. Like I went to uh, Shangri-La, which is his studio. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, I was going to go there and make this type of album, but then we sat there and drank tea with our shoes off. And I left <laughs> there thinking that, you know, my whole album was supposed to be different. Uh, yeah. That's it's, like that, cool. it's like that kind of story. Like the one that stands out to me, just cause I was talking about her recently with my fiance is, uh, is, um, uh, Adele, like when she was making her second album or no, her third album, she went to see Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin was like, "Nah, everything you just played me is trash. Like you need to, <laughs> <laughs> like you need to make all of this over again. Like oh, it doesn't, man. it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you. I could tell that you didn't write these. Uh, you got to start from scratch. And it, to her, in her words, she was like, "Yeah, he was right." But that's the kind yeah, of, that's I mean, the kind of guy he is. That's the thing. He's not. He's he's typically not wrong. You know what right. I mean. Right. Um, and he's the type of person that I think can see people's like their traits, their their inner self. It's not like he he basically sees what you don't want to admit to. You know what I mean. Right. Right. And so in those situations, that's perfect because she was probably sitting here going, "Yeah, this is gonna sell," and he was probably like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> no. Nah, nah, be the same. Yeah. Head. So if if I can backtrack a little bit, um, prior to this, like, did you grow up on hip hop? Was that like your your thing? Were you all about hip hop? Was it just yeah? Something? I was I was all about it. My um, my older sister, who I shared a room with when I was like super small, was uh, super 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 into music, and uh, I was the younger brother who had to like you know go places with her because she had to watch me. And so yep. um, I had to, I was fortunate enough to like listen to everything my sister and her friends were listening to. So I was, you know, listening to like Mary J. Blige and Method Man and Wu Tang and Biggie. And she was a huge, huge Tupac fan. Yeah. Uh, like mad people in Montclair were Tupac fans because he, um, he had family there. And uh, uh, got it. so like it was like a very Tupac heavy town. Uh, so I grew up on, on all that stuff. And, you know, she would make sure that I knew all the stuff that she was listening to because she didn't want me to listen to bad music or have bad taste in music. So she would right. always make sure that I was listening to what she thought was good. So I grew up on that. And um, my family is Jamaican. So I was, I, had, I, you know, I grew up on like Roots Reggae and uh, nice. Dancehall and all that stuff. Like my favorite album for a while when I was younger was... Um, was uh, uh, Buju's uh, Till Shiloh, which was no. like 
Yeah. I think it came out like 95. That was, I remember when I got that album, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this, is, this is like the greatest music I've ever listened to. Oh my God. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. So you, you basically, uh, your choice in music is basically the melting pot of what is the East Coast. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, basically. In, and in an era where it was at its prime, I would say. Yeah, it was a good time to be on the East Coast, uh, you know, listening to that type of music because it was, that was the center of it at that time. I mean, you know, you had Tupac and them in, in L.A. Like Death Row was also was also killing it, right? But, uh, you know, I think New York was like, for to most people, the epicenter of the rap industry. Yeah, man, that's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. How much older, if you don't mind me asking, how much older is your sister than you? seven years older than me oh okay i that's why i asked my sister is actually seven years older than me and it was the same situation yeah so yeah sounds very uh, uh very familiar she, like i know she was very annoyed at having to do it but she never really let on that she was that annoyed and you know i yeah. love her for it because yeah, yeah it's, a, it's I always uh, good to show your appreciation now right yeah like I, like I know there are moments where she was like, "Oh man, I really don't want to hang out." <laughs> yeah, especially when one. you start trying to talk to her friends like they're your friends, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, man, yeah. I remember that. So uh, if we can get back to, uh, you said that you you went to go check out this gallery, and there's only oh, two yeah. photos. So um, yeah, so and Bill and Bill Adler's there, and I'm like, "Oh my God, you're Bill Adler," and uh, we start talking, and him and I spoke for. I can't remember now, but it was like a few hours. Like him and I were just, I was asking him mad questions, just like peppering him with questions. And, wow. uh, and then he was like, I, I can't remember how it happened, but it got to a point where he was like, um, he's like, well, you know, what do you do in the summer? And I was like, I'm not doing shit. I'm just going to school. Um, I'm just gonna be chilling in Queens basically. And he was like, well, you know, if you're free, you should come through. Um, you know, like I can, I could use some help around here uh, with our like our new shows and you know getting everything together. And I was like, yo, say less. I'm, de I'm there. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so I started going there. It was like he he called it an internship, but it was so informal. It was so it was so it was so informal that there was no like I wasn't getting any credit for it. It was just this place I went a few days a week. And, um, you know, I finally brought my friends with me to an opening, to a gallery, to a, yeah, to a gallery opening there. And they got to see it. And so for a few months, I was just helping him out. And, um, and that was cool. And so I changed, uh, I, I, I told my, uh, what do you call it? Not you. Counselor? Yeah, your counselor. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I told my counselor that I didn't want to do law anymore. And... She was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I have no idea, but it's not that. Um, <laughs> I have no clue, but it's definitely not that. And uh, so she was like, I will think about it. And her and I just kept talking about, like, what I wanted to do. And to her credit, a lot I've had a lot of counselors, school counselors, like, in high school. And, uh, you know, they weren't worth shit. Like, they didn't help me at all. This is, like, right. the first counselor I ever had that was like, all right, well, let's try to figure it out. And uh, nice. so, I kept, so awesome. I kept going to the art gallery and helping out. And um, there was a, there was 
And one day Bill told me that he had a project that he was working on and it involved him organizing all of these clips that he had into a database to one day turn into a public, a public exhibit. And so I was like, okay, what, like, where is it? And he's like, oh, it's like all the clips are in these um, file cabinets next door. I thought he meant the building next door. It was the room next door. So he owned the gallery that he was in, and he owned two offices that were right next door to his. Nice. And so one day he lets me in there, and uh, there's um, you know file cabinets and magazines and CDs everywhere. And uh, he shows me around, and he's like, "There's a bunch of uh, you know newspaper clippings and magazine clippings and photographs and press photos in here." Uh, we just need to organize all of this. And so we set up a system with a data, with like a spreadsheet where we would organize all of it. And so I was helping him with that. And uh, one day I went in there and I heard a noise. And then there was, uh, I went to the back and there was a desk with a white iBook on it and a bunch of CDs. And, uh, and there was like this bald black guy back there writing on his lap, on the laptop. And I was like, yo, what are you doing back here, bro? Like this, I didn't know this was an, an office that you could work out of. Like it looked like a storage closet, right. a big storage <laughs> closet. And uh, he introduced himself. And I don't know if you guys uh, used to read the New York Times or if you read the New Yorker. He was um, Khalifa Senna, hmm. who at the time was the pop music critic at the New York Times. He's now uh, a staff writer at the New Yorker. Um, mm -hmm. You might have seen on Twitter or IG uh, a, like a headline for the New York Times that says something like, uh, Beyonce, she's no Ashanti. That, <laughs> yeah. That, that was him. That was his story. <laughs> oh, man. But meeting him and, and seeing him and talking to him blew my mind because up and, this sounds silly, but up until this point, I didn't know black people did that. I didn't know the, I didn't know black people worked at New York Times. Like I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Like it right. sounds really silly, but I had never met a black person that worked at the New York Times or at any major newspaper or any um, major magazine for that matter. And uh, not only that, I never met a black person that was writing about stuff that I was into that I was that I was yeah. talking to, talking to my friends about and um, so I like when I met him I knew he was annoyed at me because I was just peppering him with questions like badgering him with questions when he was trying to work just like what about this what about that what do you think about this what about this album <laughs> <laughs> like how would you say this and what about this and what about that and uh, so that was like amazing and that really changed my whole worldview up until that point and Damn. I went, I went back to my counselor and I was like, yo, I think I want to, um, like, I think I want to try journalism. And she was like, cool, <laughs> done. That, yeah, that's, <laughs> and, uh, so that's where I was drawing the blank. Cause I was like, I don't really want to just call what you do journalism necessarily. Cause yeah. I don't know if that's where you would funnel it to. Um, it, it definitely seems like it. And I think even for myself, like journalism and what it is has been like a newer thing for me. You know what I mean? Because I feel like growing up, journalism has always been, my idea of it at least was like, oh, you write for a newspaper. You know what I mean? 
Right. And then now right. in 2020, journalism can be, you know, all sorts of things. So, um, that, yeah, that's where I was like drawing the blank earlier where I was like, you know what, let me just jump into this. Let's just like, how did you yeah. start doing what you're doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, damn, I mean, that that's... was like, I, I, I never thought of it before. And when I, when I look back on, um, on like my, my childhood and the things I was into, I was, you know, I was always into reading. Like my mom would leave me at the library and, you know, I would like, I became friends with the librarian cause I was there all the time. And I was like, always, always reading. Even when I got to college, I was the only one of my friends that would like carry a book with me everywhere. And, uh, I just never so. thought about how, I never thought about how you could make money doing that. It never, it never crossed my mind that you can make money writing anything besides books. And I was like, I don't know if I want to write books yet. Like, I want to go live life and do things. And, like, I don't want to, like, write a novel yet or do anything like that yet. Right. Um, but I didn't, so I had no idea you could do that. And I met um, Khalifa. And Khalifa was like, yo, this is my life. Like, I get paid good money to write about rap music and other pop music and stuff like that. And I was like, man, that's really dope. Because up in, like, you know, because of my sister, I grew up reading The Source and Vibe and, um, you know, like, rap pages. and right shit like that, like Eagle Trip. And so, so yeah, so I met him and I told Bill, I was like, yo, I, I think I figured it out. Like, this is what I want to do. And he was like, really? Oh, that's, that's amazing. Here, here uh, you should meet somebody. And I was like, who? I was like, well, yeah, I met, I met Khalifa. He's like, no, not him. Um, so there's another office down the hall and that <laughs> office was, that office was owned by the guys that made Eagle Trip magazine. And uh, I had no idea that they were in that office. And they weren't there that day. Um, but they were there another day. And I met, I met them. I met a few of them. But I met, like, the one who I was the biggest fan of, which is a guy named uh, Sasha Jenkins, who was the music editor of Vibe back in the day. And he was the editor-in-chief yeah. of Eagle Trip. He now, like, co-owns Mass Appeal. Uh, so when I met him... I was kind of starstruck because I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like when I say like, I didn't know black people did those jobs. Like I didn't know black people <laughs> were in the New York Times. I knew Sasha was, Sasha was black because of the stuff that he wrote about. But right. it seemed impossible to work at Vibe. It, it, it didn't seem like a job that you could get to. It didn't seem like, you know, it didn't seem like I could go from my room in Montclair to working at Vibe or writing for Vibe. Like the people in there seemed like kind of like superheroes. Like the stories that they were telling just seemed crazy. Like I remember there was a story Sasha wrote uh, with uh, Redman where Redman's like driving him through the tunnel full speed and he's like scared for his life. Like these <laughs> stories were just so larger than life to me. They just didn't it, seem possible. It's like, funny because the the story, sorry to interrupt you, but the, the stories, like even so far what you've said, as a kid growing up, I've always felt like, like, like people always wonder what it is that I love about New York so much. You know what I mean? And I always tell people, I'm like, it's a lot of stuff. Like if I had to sit here and explain to you why, why I love New York, uh, it's from all different angles. And what you just described to me is only possible in New York City. Right, you know what I mean. The right. fact that you just randomly walked into this art gallery, yes. and then, you know, you, you, 
the person that's actually willing to talk to you for hours is responsible for all this stuff and is willing to take you in as an intern and then you just casually meet someone else and then oh this person's down the hall like that's new york city that doesn't happen anywhere else right you know what i mean no i agree i agree and that's i used to always look at kids at st john's who weren't from the tri-state area i'd always look at the ones who refused to leave campus and refused to leave Queens so crazy. Cause I was like, <laughs> you know, like you have Manhattan right there. Like it's right, right there. You yeah. got to get out of, you got to get out of Queens and you got to like go try to get it. Like, why did you come here? If it were, if it wasn't for that. Right. Like you could have went to like Ohio state or something. Or like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like we weren't like the, our campus life wasn't that popping. Like, if you were just going to stay on campus, you should have went to, like, a big campus school. Right. But yeah. I just That's never funny, understood man. it. So, uh, sorry, I know I cut you off, but you were talking about how Sasha wrote the story about uh, driving with yeah. Redman. Yeah, which yeah. Sounds, which sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah, so, like, you know, the, I, was, I knew him from those type of stories, and I, I was such a big fan of his. He was my favorite writer um, in Vibe. And, uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I met him, I was just like, man, this shit is real. Like, you could actually, like, there's a way for somebody who looks like me to get where these people are. And right. um, so after that, I talked to Sasha and um, I told Bill, like, what I wanted to do. And Bill was like, yeah, like, let me know what you, if, you, if, if I can help in any way. And I had a class, so I changed my major and I had a class that I was in where I had to like write an article about a journalist that I admired or a journalist that worked in New York City that you, that you like. And on a whim, I asked Sasha if you think, if I asked Bill if he thinks Sasha would sit for an interview with me. And Sasha was like, yeah. Um, so I interviewed him over the phone for it and I wrote the article and I sent it to him. And like, I read it back maybe like a year or two years ago and it was complete trash but <laughs> but sasha was um sasha was like uh one day he was like yo i just purchased part of this magazine called mass appeal and mm. um if you're not doing anything this summer you know do you want to come come intern and fuck with us and i was like yeah, i'll do anything bro like i'll clean the toilets like i don't give a fuck like whatever you guys need done let me know right. and um and so yeah and so after that i i uh went to intern at mass appeal which was in brooklyn in uh in in bushwick brooklyn back when bushwick was like super super sketchy right um and uh and yeah and working at at mass appeal i, I met a bunch of people mass appeal had a crazy uh what do you call it? Like a like a crazy alumni system. A lot of people who were working in um, in magazines like Double XL and, and Vibe and, and a bunch of other ones had either uh, written for for Mass Appeal or worked at Mass Appeal or knew people at Mass Appeal. And um, so I met a, met a bunch of people there. I was out all the time meeting people and. Um, stay there for a few like a year and then they hired me to be like associate editor and then i became music editor and then um i started freelancing 
for Vibe. And then uh, a job opened at Vibe for a staff, a staff writer or staff reporter position. And my name got put in the, in, in the pool for it. I interviewed for it and I got it. And then I started working at Vibe. And then that's how I got into, into magazines. Dang. That's a good start. It's pretty crazy. I actually, I actually didn't even know that. I didn't know that you started at Vibe. Yeah, I mean, I started at Mass Appeal. That was like the first re- first magazine, but Vibe right. was like the first like mainstream, mainstream. Yeah. like yeah, yeah, mainstream glossy magazine that I worked at, and that was like mind blowing to me because um, I started working there when I was tw- I just turned twenty. Oh man, so, you're young. Yeah, and then uh, so like none of my friends had jobs, but all my friends were still in school. And um, so, are you at this time? Are you still in school, or did you finish school, or no? Nah, I school. When I got the offer letter from Vibe, I just left. Like I never even like officially dropped out. I just never, <laughs> never went back. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that is. <laughs> I just never, I just never went back to school. Uh, oh man! And, oh, and the the twenty year old mind, I, I, I yeah. Sounds yeah. very similar. It's like, oh wait, I'm going to school to do this, but now I got offered this job. Yeah, okay, I'm right. done. Right. It was like, <laughs> yeah. why would I spend more money? To right. Do this when you know my family's not rich, so it was like, yeah. shit. If I could save my family money, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, man. And so when I when I got the job, I was like, bet, I'm out. And then but I was still living with my friends who were in school. And so I was the first one out of our crew to get a, a real job. So it was like crazy. Like the parties that we were able to go to now were crazy because I worked yeah. a lot. And just like I had like, in retrospect, was not a lot of money, but it was a lot of money to us. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, being 20 year olds, we blew that shit on dumb shit. We were like buy, yeah. buying bottles of Hennessy and <laughs> you know, like going, going to clubs every, every weekend. And um, it was, it was well, not. Like not crazy. only did you have money at 20, you also had ties at 20. And I think yeah. that, that that's that's a little bit, that's more clout, right? I mean, sometimes you don't need as much of the money because you're already one foot in the door. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it, it was a good time to be, it was a good job to have at 20 if you could, if you could get it because you're just like, I, I remember turning 21 and I had a birthday party at this place, I don't think it existed anymore, called No Miles Palace. And uh, a bunch of people from the industry came through, and um, it was crazy. It was just like all these people who I admired were there, and you know, all these people who I who I really uh, did not know knew me were there. And you're, you're like, I'm 21, and and these dudes are all here. It was crazy. I was so I was so humbled and flattered, and you know, grateful that they were there. And it was such a it was such like a um, great time. And then, you know, just being able to go places that we wouldn't uh, be otherwise would not be able to go to if I didn't know somebody w- was was great. But I think the most fun was just, you know, still um, still living a 20 year old or 21 year old life while working there because that gave me like kind of the heads up on what was happening in like on the streets of of Manhattan in New York City because I was like always out and it was right. like and it wasn't like you know um like the like the glitzy parties either I was going to like 
dive bars and you know these other places that a lot of older people who are more well off weren't going right so you know, your perspective was a little bit different. You were seeing things that other people might have otherwise not even been around to see. Yeah, so it was great. It was like a great. Uh, it was a great time. It was like one of the most fun, fun moments of my life. Damn, dude, that's awesome. Um, so then, at, what did you do after Vibe? Uh, so after Vibe, um, Vibe had like. They had like uh, I forgot what happened. I don't know if they there's like something happened and they had to downsize the team a little bit. And so um, they they told me, but I think my editor at the time, this guy named uh, Ben Meadows Ingram, he was also cool with the uh, Mass Appeal crew and. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the Mass Appeal alumni was Brian Scotto. And Brian Scotto, who now operates Hoonigan, he... Um, I was just going to say the same Brian Scotto? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Brian also used to work at Mass Appeal. And um, he, at the time, was running this car magazine called Rides that was owned by Harris Publications. It's the same publication house that um, that made Double uh, XL. I remember Rides. yeah. So they were hiring, like they needed an associate editor. And I was on a car trip with Scotto and Scotto was like, yo, like I want you to come, come work here. Uh, um, I think it would be, I think it'd be dope for you. It's a dope opportunity. It's more money. And um, at first I was like, nah, man, like I'm at Vibe. It's like my dream place to work. Yeah. And, uh, and then when the downsides happened, I was like, is that, is that still available? And he was like, <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, 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 um, yeah, come through. So I, I went and worked over there, and that was really fun. That was that was great. It was like a, working with Scotto and that team was 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 amazing. Um, so previous to you working at Rides, were you already into cars? Yeah. So that's how I I kind of like got into Vibe. Was uh, Vibe had you know, like the front of the book section was like all lifestyle stuff. So there were articles about like, you know, um, phones and like other consumer technology and uh, and cars and clothes and sneakers and stuff like that. And so they needed people to uh, write about it. And um, I, don't, I don't know how they found out. But I used to do this, a column in the front of Vibe called Dropping Dimes. And it would be like the 10 coolest things to buy this month or the 10 coolest things to like know about this month. And um, I would always include a car. And, nice. and um, they found out that I was really into cars and I would start doing like other car stuff for them. So when I got to Vibe, uh, I worked under this guy named Ben Meadows Ingram who ran the front of the book. And, you know, he needed somebody to write about uh, tech and cars and I was like yeah I'd love to do that I'm so into cars like it's, it's 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 nothing I would love to do that and so when I got to vibe I was writing about cars I was writing about like car culture and I was doing like not full-on car reviews because it was it was vibe it was just like writing about new car stuff right yeah and the, but the coolest thing about that was um, 
I, I, I was able to get press cards. And so oh, nice. at 20, I was getting cars uh, to test, but I was still living near St. John's in Queens. So <laughs> I would take like the brand new Range Rover Sport back to back to Queens and like pick my friends up and we would all fucking pull up to like a house party in Queens. Everyone, everyone would be like, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? Like, how'd you get this car? Uh, like, for, yeah. for sure now now you just painted the picture of you're you're just a drug dealer dude <laughs> <laughs> like, how, like how'd you get this uh, like oh well you know i got it from work and they're like what the fuck do you do you're like yeah work uh-huh. yeah. yeah work <laughs> quote, quote, work work right work, got work where i know all these cool ass people yeah and I get to drive these fancy cars yeah and then yeah. that's, that's <laughs> got funny. these new clothes and this new car right yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Got that's it. funny, but awesome, you know. Yeah. So I was, so I was doing that. And it was so cool. Like I, I but I was. It was crazy because I was so young that, that for some car brands I couldn't legally drive them because the insurance you had to be twenty five in order to get the cars. Like, like, damn. I feel bad saying this, but like Volkswagen Group, um, you had to be twenty five in order to drive any of the Volkswagen Group cars. But right. the press people were cool with me and because i worked at vibe a magazine that they really wanted their their products to uh uh, get into they were like just please don't crash the shit (laughs) whatever you whatever you do just don't crash it or we're fucked and i'm like all right i got you i got you i got you so like every like every volkswagen group car i i got i i used to be so careful i used to like park it like so far away from everything and like try my hardest not to crash it Right. And, uh, and yeah, it was it was it was crazy because like you know I was driving cars that none of my friends had ever seen in person before. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's big. Yeah. So it was it was really fun. Um, so yeah, so I was really into cars, and at the time, um, I think I don't know how Scotto found out, but. He hit me up and was like, yo, uh, we need somebody to freelance. Like, we need some articles written if you want to freelance, make some extra money. And I was like, hell yeah. So I was writing stories for rides before then. Um, and so when the time came, he he wanted me to come over there. Because rides was like a car magazine, but it was, you know, it was like a, like a, like a hip-hop car magazine. Like, the right. language was very much, like, in, the, in like, a hip-hop parlance. And um, the... Right now, it, it, it's very different. But back then, the cross-section of writers who listened to rap music and knew about cars was very small. Right. Like very, very, very small. So I think, I think when Scotto found me and saw my work, he was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, we got to bring this kid over here. Um, yeah. And I was, very, I was very thankful that he did that because... I, I don't. I didn't know what I was gonna do if I if I yeah. had a job. So yeah, remember that um, school that so yeah. you just uh, walked away from? Right. You're probably like, <laughs> right. oh shit. Right. Right. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so, you um, are like the perfect person for that job, though. Because seems, I mean, so yeah, it, it yeah. Was like a, it seemed like the perfect job. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, people know about music. People know about cars, but being passionate about both it's at the time i'm sure it's few and far between you know yeah so it's yeah. like yeah to be able to write 
and that's the other thing you have to be able to write about both things um right so to right. be able to write about it you got to kind of really be into it so that's that's cool yeah it was dope i, I had a lot of fun there and scotto you know as i said i can't say enough good things about that guy he's 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 fucking awesome man he's like he was a great boss he was super fun i remember one day we we closed the magazine early and um and he was like like we all worked in in this office and it was like four of us in the office and one day we were we were closing so it was just it was, it was just uh me and him in there and he was like uh he's like yo have you ever seen it's always sunny in philadelphia and i was like now nah, it's that <laughs> and he was like oh man I got, the, I, got, I got the dvd here he's like yo close the door it's so like we closed the door and we just like sat there <laughs> bugging out watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It was amazing. Um, got me hooked up on that show. But I think Scott was like was just dope because he was he was super ambitious. Like right. you could never you could never tell Scott no and he, he would take no as an answer. And he always like defended his people, which That's was important. which I, I take I take yeah, I take that very seriously. Yeah. Uh, he always defended his people and you know he was just like a super uh super car and rap dude like he he knew both of those shits back like the back of his hand so it was a great to be around him to learn about you know how to like apply all of these things into making a a true truly good editorial product it was great and i was i was there to to, to help with the start of um it was zero to sixty, which was like his his passion project magazine that I think lasted for maybe like a year or two. Hmm. And that was fun to see. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people that work with Scotto, they definitely always have great things to say about him. Yeah. Yeah, Scotto's dope. Scotto's Scott. I'm not surprised to see, uh, you know, how well Hoonigan's doing because he's like a he's a workaholic. Right. It's funny. I always make fun uh, that. I was talking to some of the Hoonigan guys, and then I don't remember how it came up, but I was like, where are you guys from, or something like that? And it, it seemed like the, like the entire group of guys I was talking to, there was like four or five dudes, they were all from the East Coast. And then yeah. I was like, so does everybody that work at Hoonigan have to be from the East Coast? <laughs> and they were like, no, not necessarily, but it just kind of winds up working out that way. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So it was just kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, it kind of makes sense now. Yeah, it's it's Scotto's crew. He he built it, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's just yeah. That they're all from. Um, but yeah, so I was there, and then um, there was a guy named uh, Noah Callahan Bever, who who used to be editor in chief of of um, Eagle Trip, and I met him through Sasha. Like Sasha was like his mentor, and for whatever reason, Noah took a liking to me, and um, began to like mentor me and kind of like you know uh, show me the game and show me the ropes. And um, he left Vibe to go to Complex, which was at the time a super small magazine, and it was like a Mark Echo passion project. And he became mm -hmm. editor in chief, and, and when he became editor in chief, he started building a team. And uh, they were building a team to um, to like tackle uh, 
the website. Like they wanted to build a team that could work on the magazine and the website at the same time. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to go over there, and I said yeah. So I left Rides, which I was, you know, I, I was having a great time at Rides. I loved the staff. I loved the, the product we were making. Um, but, but I, at the time, I thought going to Complex would be better because I would have the opportunity to write about more things, and um, you know, I can do I can do a lot more. I can tackle a lot more, and, I, and that turned out to be right. Like I, I went to Complex and became a staff writer and then I uh, was writing about cars, I was writing about uh, consumer tech, I was writing about rap. You know, like I wrote in my first five year stint there, I was writing about, you know, all these different things and I was able to write, you know, some pretty big uh, cover stories. Like I had uh, uh, Drake's, like one of Drake's first cover stories in the States. And I had um, a pretty big Drake cover when, uh, what's it called, um, Take Care dropped. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think I chose right. But uh, at the time, I was like sad to leave rides and go to Complex. But I think in looking back, it was the right decision. And, you know, Noah has, more than my mentor, he has become like a really close friend of mine. and. Um, he's he's helped me develop professionally in a way that um, very other few people have. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I remember. Uh, I feel like what did, what was complex technically? What was complex about in the beginning? What was their like in the very 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 beginning? What was their goal to to put out there? So in the beginning, it was like it was it was a buyer's guide. For men, it was like you get one side of it was just all the new jeans, t-shirts, sneakers, hoodies that were out at mm-hmm. that time. And you know, this is when the web was kind of 1.0, so it made sense to have a physical product that showed you all the new product. And um, that was on one side, and the other side was like all culture stuff. So it was like music interviews and stuff like that um and uh, uh yeah and that was it was so it was from the get-go it was supposed to be like a collection of things yeah yeah because yeah. like i the, feel like uh, tagline like the literal tagline of the of the magazine was the buyer's guide for men and the yeah. other tagline was like buy collect obsess um like it was supposed to be this thing that you know, showed people what to buy. I mean, Complex, in my opinion, blew up and it literally covered everything that people wanted to know about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I asked. I was like, yeah. you know, if that, that was the seed that was planted, then, then shit, it bloomed properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that expansion happened under Noah. I think he's the one that kind of... Um, he pushed it more into like a rap culture magazine. Like mm-hmm. he understood, he understood that there was this new kind of consumer that was growing that um, that had grown up on rap. Like rap wasn't a new phenomenon to this consumer. It's something that, regardless of a, of if they're black, white, Asian, Mexican, it, you know, it doesn't matter where they're from. Uh, they more than likely grew up as rap as the 
dominant music. Right. And because of that, because of that, that informed their consumer tastes and their consumer tastes were very much like, you know, very cool sneakers, very cool hoodies, very cool T-shirts. Um, they were into like, you know, the kind that this, they're all kind of into the same type of movies. They were all into the same type of, um, you know, like phone, like anything was viewed through this lens of uh, what we used to call convergence culture. So like all of these things mm. coming together, but it was like through this lens of hip hop. And right. I think that's what kind of blew Complex up because it was through that lens we could write about anything. And we, and we did, we, write it, we wrote about anything that we thought was hot or that we thought that you know, people were, were going to be into. And um, it, it worked. It was, it was cool. Yeah. I like that term. Well, Convergence. Yeah, no. yeah, for real. Yeah. So um, this is the part that I kind of wanted to get to because I want, I want to say, not exactly, but around this time, once you had left Rides and got into Complex, you were doing Complexes about the time that we both met you. And um, I remember, for me, one of the things that I admired about you was the night that we met you, it was like, so we were in New York. For those listening, we were in New York for Week Fest. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Joey um, says, like, hey, I'm going to have someone meet up with us who wants to hang out. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then, you know, usually if Joey is saying, hey, someone's going to come hang out, it's a car guy, right? right? And so then for us, you were just a fellow car guy coming to hang out. And then... um you know natural just like this conversation like we're just chilling talk chopping it up it's very natural stuff you know and you were local to to ny so it was like cool and then um afterwards it was like okay now i kind of understand what you do for a living and it was like yo that's dope that you were still just a another car guy chilling talking with us and there was never this sense of like oh well i'm this guy you know what I mean? Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I was, you know, to be honest, I was, like, a little nervous because I was, like, fuck, I hope, like, I just hope that I know enough to, like, sit down and, nah. to, like, and, nah. and to, like, you know, to chop it up. Because just being, like, you know, there's, like, certain car guys that you that you meet up with or that you, you talk to and they, like, they kind of, like, uh, um, Test and your like, knowledge. Yeah, test yeah but, and, and yeah, and then they like shun you if you don't if yeah, what yeah. you like or what you're into and what you know about is not what they're into and what they know about. Right, and it's, right, right. Okay, uh-huh. so we can't. We all just can't like different things. Like we all just can't right. be different. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like meeting up with you guys was dope because it was like, um, you know, through Joey. I knew what you guys were up to and what you guys were doing. And I was just a fan of what you guys were, what you guys were doing. And, um, so yeah, it was just, it was just super chill. Like it was just like, a, um, it was like after a while, it took like a few minutes. I was like, Oh, this is just like, this is it. Like everyone, like everyone's just mad. Cool. There's no like, <laughs> yeah. there's no like hazing or there's no like, you know, weird, uh, conversations or or anything like that like it was just it was just super cool and um it's funny that you say that because i know exactly what you mean and uh i know the type of people that you're talking about but i also know 
that I understand that feeling because we've had that with other people where they're they think it's almost like they they they're they're not sure how things are gonna go. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just with our group of friends, it's very much just like yo, we're chilling. You know, just like come through, talk, um, and we're conversationists. I always tell people that like. Yeah. When we talk about our circle, I'm always like, oh, we're just a group of conversationists. Like, that's what we are. We sit down, we talk about all sorts of things. We're welcoming if with, to like minded people. Um, and we just like to chop it up, you know? Uh, and especially because of how we came together, um, I think that's why we're so open to meeting new people. And it's like that situation. When someone's like, hey, I'm going to bring someone to come hang out with us. It's like, cool. Because each one of us was that person at some point in time. Right. You know what I mean? And so um, that's why we're not only welcoming, but almost um, eager to to meet new people also. You know, it's like, yeah, bring someone through. Yeah, sure. Why not? And um, like I've, I've said plenty of times on this podcast, for me... I think one of the one of the things that makes me appreciate people and really, um, um, I guess you could say, like attach myself to people, is when <clears throat> you have people who are like us, but there is like something to brag about. There is a little bit that they can have an ego for, but they choose not to. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so then me, I was like, oh, he's just one of us. You know what I mean? Like this dude can be cocky if he wants to but he's not you know what i mean and and he's into all the same stuff we're into like music uh cars and to be honest with you like listening to what you said about how you're into cars uh you're you're as much of a car guy as the next dude man because the stuff that you appreciate and the types of cars that you're into it's like it's very diverse you know yeah so like i think it's it's just is like you know um cool for me to be around groups like that because in our industry there's not that many people like that right there's not like um like i'm sure there's more of them in la there's a few places in new york and a few clubs in new york that are like that but um to be around people that are into cars in the way that i'm into cars is is kind of it's kind of i don't want to say it's rare but i don't run into groups of people like that out here as much as i would like to Right. And um, and so, like, yeah, I remember, you know, like, Joey was like, yo, like, make sure you come through a show tomorrow. And I was like, for real? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember, like, going up there, it was, like, me and my girl and my, I, I brought my boy with me. And, um, yeah, it was it was dope. Like, spent the full day there just, like, chopping it up with people, meeting new people, um, you know, like, fucking taking photos of for, like, you know, like, inspiration boards and stuff like that, like, you know, some stuff I wanted to do in the future. Uh, it was dope. It was, like, it was, yeah, it was really, it was really, really dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after that, you know, start following you on IG, and I remember just um, myself being mind-blown at some of the things that you had done and some of the people that you had interviewed, and I'm just sitting here going, like, I don't know how this dude does it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How do you keep that straight face and do what you do? And especially like at your age, you know what I'm saying? It's like the average person's going to, um, is going to definitely be starstruck. You know what I mean? 
And yeah, I think ner- it's nerve wracking as well. Because I mean, some of the things that you've been responsible for, they're pretty big deals, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, thank you for that. And <laughs> I think it's, you know, I think it goes down to like the people I had as as mentors, like the people I had as like um, who were helping me with the game, like you know, like um, Ben Meadows Ingram, um, my music editor when I was at Vibe, John Caramonica, you know, Brian Scotto and Noah Callahan Bever, like people like that were the ones who kind of instilled into me like you know what the importance of what we're doing and why why we're here you know Mm -hmm. and um it was never to like star chase and it was to you know it's to always our you know our job here is to tell a story and to you know and to uh, serve our audience and you can't really do that if you're completely starstruck or you're like you know just happy to be around somebody and uh, i was i was taught that very 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 early on um you know like about yeah just like how to uh uh, prioritize what you're doing um like noah noah was young he he was one of the first people to do big stories on um on 50 cent um mm-hmm. like he did I, I don't know if you guys remember this cover that uh double xl did where it was it was 50 cent it was eminem and dr dre together it was like when 50 yep. cent was about to yeah. blow up yeah like he did Everybody that story that cover. Was, right, <laughs> yeah. right like that was his story and that was when you know Damn. that was when 50 cent and eminem were like the biggest things on the planet and yeah. uh, you know and being around noah was just like yeah, like you know, like I had to get a story out. Like I've been around, I've been around Noah. I, like I've been at dinner with Noah when, like Kanye would call, would call him, and he would have to like you know get up from the table and you know talk to Kanye for a little bit and um, come back to dinner. And it was like you know it wasn't a big deal. It was like this is the this is the world we live in. This is the the type of um, the, the like this is our responsibility is to like you know make sure what we're creating is you know is at one at once faithful to the people we're covering and also a service to our audience so you have to be like really clear-headed about that kind of stuff i and, think yeah. that's and that's the part where i say the intimidation comes in because you know yeah it's true the people that you're covering they they don't want to go what the hell is this crap? Right. You know what I mean? When it's all said and done, like that was a waste of my time or I don't want this put out that way or whatever it is. I, I feel like that's where the nerves kick in where it's like, all right, I got to make sure I do my, my due diligence here, you know? Right. And, right. and really just, you know, get this out there. Um, so then I wanted to ask you, how did you move into the editor position? Uh, just working like, I um so there's so like after five years at Complex, I I took stock of what was happening and you know where I like what I was doing there, and mm-hmm. I started thinking about what I wanted to do in the future and the things that I wanted to accomplish, and I you know was really honest with myself, and I didn't I didn't have the toolbox necessary to make that next step at all, 
And uh, a lot of people I know like went to grad school at NYU or like went to grad school at like Northwestern or something. Like I wasn't going to do that. Um, mainly because I didn't want to spend the money. But right. I, I, I knew I needed to learn more and I needed to get better at this, at this whole thing, at like reporting and, you know, storycraft and, you know, interviewing. And I met a woman at the time named Janisha uh, Watts, who's now at um, ESPN. And she was working at Time, and she told me that her editor was looking for people to come on as reporters. And I was like, you know what? This is like super, super different than what I'm doing now. And I remember mm -hmm. speaking to the editor and, um, and, you know, essentially telling him what I was going, like what I was thinking, what I was going through. And it's like, well, yeah, if you come here, I promise you that you will learn all, all, the, all those things that you were, that you're mm -hmm. like concerned about. And, uh, you know, I, so I, I made the leap to go from complex to time and it wasn't even like time proper. It was like a division of time magazine that, uh, made these like special edition books. And, um, I worked with him and you know, a group of great editors to to produce these things that were, you know, majority written by all the big name time writers, but it wasn't like the Time magazine that dropped every every two weeks. Um, but the journalism was the same. And the editor who was our boss used to be the managing editor of Time and he was one of the founders of 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 the uh, Daily Beast. So he, he was he was great and um going there I I learned so much. I learned so much about, you know, how to report out a story and you know what goes into a good story and how to tell something's newsworthy and just it was just so much I was learning in just doing all that reporting work for the, those time products. And um by the time I left I, I was like I felt as if I had gained you know, a bunch of new tricks. I felt like I went to grad school for like a right. year and a half. And yeah. it was great. And so when I was there, uh, Noah hit me um, and asked me if I, had, if I had any interest in coming back and running music for Complex. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. So let's talk about it. So we talked about it. And um, I went back and I ran the music vertical, you know, built a new team of really talented people. Um, we were all doing you know, great things now and you know we we killed it in my humble estimation I think we had like we did a bunch of great uh, a bunch of great things and mm -hmm. um, after a while they moved me from that to being an executive editor and uh, I was editing the magazine and I was in charge of the production of the magazine and then uh, uh, I wanted to move up from there. I felt like I'd done all I can do at that, at that post, but there was nothing, there was nowhere for me to go. So I, um, I left there and went to Viacom and uh, went to BET and helped relaunch BET.com working under uh, Kay Madadi, who just mm -hmm. left Twitter as the head of content and a guy named uh, Jermaine Hall, who uh, used to be the editor-in-chief of King, who's now the editor-in-chief of Level which is a new medium publication. Um, I worked under him 
to and together we all relaunched BT.com, uh, you know, built a new digital team, launched a bunch of new shows, uh, you know, did a bunch of, of, of cool stuff there. And that was really dope. And that was really cool. And then when I was there, I was like, I kept getting into it with the sales team. And <laughs> I realized that like, I didn't have the necessary knowledge to better direct the sales team in the way that I thought that they should go. And I didn't want to be a guy that was just like, you know, screaming or like at odds with people so i was like i really need to learn learn how this works and you know very um very uh uh, serendipitously there was a opening at hearst to work for road and track and car and driver uh because they were launching a new internal agency called blendline and you they would be responsible for uh producing all the branded content for both for both titles and um i went over there and uh that was dope like working with those people were dope work i was working under uh travis sikulski who was the who's the editor who's the editor-in-chief of of road and track and uh you know it was dope i learned a lot about the sales side of of a of a, of a publication and um i got to you know work for a Two brands I, I grew up reading. I think mm-hmm. like, like Rowan Track was like Rowan Track was like the first adult magazine that I I, I was, <laughs> was ever like uh, given. It was like you know like mm-hmm. as a kid. I don't even know if they still have it, but as a kid I had this this thing called um, I think it was called highlights. Oh yeah, highlights. Yep. Oh, they're still yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's still around. Yeah. So like you read that as a kid, and then um, my mom. Like the first not made for children <laughs> magazine my mom ever got me was Road and Track. And so it was like a magazine that is, I always read, uh, like, you know, straight cover to cover every, like every month. So Road and Track was, Road and Track was amazing because you could get it anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That thing yeah, was that. on every type of newsstand. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Man, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So, so I was there, and what's what's funny is like one of my closest friends, a guy named um, uh, a guy named Carter Jung. He he. Uh, oh, Carter, yeah. Still mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I love Carter. I met that dude years ago, and you know, I think I met him when he was he was running Import Tuner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, man, you have like the best job ever, and he was like. Yeah, that's <laughs> He was like, oh, sort of, and I was like, oh my god, I would love to do. I would love to do all that. Like that, look, right. that looks amazing. You get to shoot models and cars. Like that seems like the best <laughs> job ever. Like that's so Car- dope. Carter's the reason that my car got in a magazine originally, very first oh, really? time. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting because I didn't, I didn't know Carter or anything about him, but I guess my car caught his eye at some point, and um, he was on his way out. Um, I want to, I don't remember exactly what his position was, but he was, I believe at Honda tuning at the time. Mm. And then he was on his way. Ah, shoot. I don't remember the order of what he did, but I don't know if he was on his way out of Honda tuning into import tuner or the other way around exactly how it worked. But he basically was the point of contact. The person I was emailing. He set up the shoot and everything. My car got shot, and then Carter no longer worked for the magazine. 
And so then my car literally sat for like a year, like the shoot and the story sat for like a year until I was like, okay, so, you know, I started reaching out like, yo, what's going on? Like, what's the deal here? Um, is this going to happen? And then they were kind of just like, oh, well, Carter's the one that set that up and Carter's no longer with us. So we're just trying to get things situated here and then it'll happen. And then I was like, okay. And to this day, I've never met Carter before. Really? Yeah, I think maybe I've like, maybe one time I've seen him just like, hey, what's going on, man? But never like have talked to him or anything. And it's like everyone I know knows Carter. Man, Carter's the best, man. So yeah. it's just it's just interesting because I'm always like, hey, that's the guy that uh, it's almost <laughs> like, hey, thanks. You know what I mean? Like you kind of jump started this whole situation with me in the in the car industry. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's man. I, I love that guy with all my heart. He's like he's such a genuine dude. And, you know, he's like, I mean, one, he I don't know if you guys know about his car collection. He owns like <laughs> he owns like every yeah. every car I ever wanted. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, but he's like so down to earth about everything, and um, like he's another one that I've I've always been able to like bounce things off. Like every new job I've ever taken, I've bounced it off of him and been like, "What do you think about this?" And he, you know, and and uh, he would always give me like the real, like, "I don't know if you want to do this because that title, like in the long term, might not look that good." And da 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 da. And he would always be the one that I would I would be able to like, you know, give him like a fresh perspective on what I was thinking about and like he's he's super dope dude that's wild man your network is uh it's pretty extensive man that's a that's vast (laughs) i just try to be i just try to be good and 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 chill and cool and like you know i think like yeah i just think people when i meet people i i'm always like I'm usually in awe of what they do or who or, or what they're working on or you know um, right and so when i when i meet people i try to be super genuine and it's worked out so far yeah. can't really yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah well I just agree. even the way that you've you've moved around like that's pretty cool you know you're at complex and you're like let me go here with uh you know with times and then you're like i needed to kind of learn more of this and you kind of bounce over this way and it's just interesting, yeah. you know, and also I hearing about how... attention. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but even even the fact that you're like, oh, because this person worked here, I knew them over here at this magazine now. And then, you know, like, it's just the network of how everybody kind of moves around is really cool. Mm. That's dope, man. Now, now it, uh, now I see why, um, you're able to do all this so uh what what seems like so easily you know what i mean where like uh not not as stressful as the average person you know (laughs) yeah i'm sure it gets stressful i'm not saying that i'm just saying that the ability to handle the stress is what i'm talking about well not for sure i think a large part of it also is just like i've been very very fortunate to be able to do things that i am genuinely very interested in right you know, like a lot of the stuff that I did when I was younger, I would have done for free. Like I would have, yeah. I would have, you know, like written about cars for free. I would have, like a matter of fact, I have written about cars for free. I've written, <laughs> about, I've written about music for free. Uh, like, so there's not like a, a day that goes by, even like the hard, hard days when I'm not very thankful that I'm even, a, a, like I'm even able to do what I'm doing and, and you know, like have the jobs that I have because I know shit could be 
super worse. Like I have friends that aren't able to work in the field that they're interested in at all. Right. Right. So I don't take that for granted at ever, 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 ever. Yeah, I think that's um it's definitely a difficult thing to do in life, you know, and that's kind of where um I don't know, like when I talk to certain people and they're trying to figure out where they want to be and what they're doing for a living, it's like, I don't know, like for me personally, I feel like it's a big thing to follow what you're into, right? What you yeah. love, you care about. Having a job just because it's a job is like, I don't know. It's not for everyone. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some people who have to do it because they have to support themselves and, you know, they have to do what they have to do. Um, and that's that's 100%. That's 100% fine. Like, do what right. you need to do. But right. if you are if you are at all able to follow your dreams and follow your heart, then I would recommend people at least try. Just just try it. And I think people uh, get dissuaded when things get hard. Because I think when you tell people, like, yeah, like, go follow your dreams and, you know, do what you do for a living. Do something that you super enjoy. Mm-hmm. They think in their head that, shit's going to be fucking easy all the time. Like, things aren't going to ever be hard. And that nope. they're never, right. never going to struggle. And they're never going to, like, not know the answer to something. And it's like, nah, man. Just be, like, if you do something that you enjoy, when those things happen, it's way more fucking tolerable than if you are not into any of that shit. That's all yeah. that is. That's all that right. means. Yeah, that shit's that still going to happen. Either way. Yeah. Like, yep. the, only, the only difference is when it rains... That you're not upset that it's raining. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. One if, thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just like that's that to me is the only difference. Like if it if it rains and you're and you're doing something that you hate, then you're gonna fucking hate the rain. But if yeah. it rains and you're doing something you love, then it's like yeah, man. Like I always think about, and this is not the same at all. But I remember like listening to this um, Daniel Ricardo interview. And, you know, I forgot what happened. Maybe he, like, crashed in a car, like, crashed in a race. And they were like, well, this is a pretty rough, a pretty rough day for you, huh? And he was like, yeah, but, you know, shit, any day that I get to drive an F1 car for a living is a great day. And I'm like, right. yeah, man. Like, no matter how bad his day is, it's amazing yeah. because of, that's his job. That's what He's, he gets paid to do. Yep. He's had some bad days lately, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man. But no, you know, one of the one of the things I I've I stay quiet and Dave and I talk about this sometimes where I get into this like mood of where I, I, I begin to just want to absorb everything I'm listening to. Uh, you know, being somebody who loves magazines, loves reading, loves like the culture that you kind of write about, right? You you talk about hip hop. You you have two articles that that like popped up for me recently and I'll bring that up again later. But like, you, you know, you talk about music, you talk about cars and you talk about like, um, like development of self, self-development without having to, you know, fall into the, the, the plan of, I got to go to, I got to go get my bachelor's. I got to get my grad, you know, I got to go get my master's and on all that fun stuff. The one thing that like kept popping up for me is as, as I talk to you or as I listen to you, the two biggest things when I first met you, it wasn't about who we were. Like you, you didn't treat us any different than like 
you know, like, oh, these are these the week fest guys. This is the guys that do this, the guys that it, that didn't matter. It what I felt when I first met you was this is you know, these are cats that I, you know, want to hang out with. These are people that just want to hang out, just have a conversation. We're sitting in the middle of Chinatown, you know, at a restaurant. And it's a restaurant that we go to every damn year, I think, too. Yeah. Um <laughs> Not because so, it's that great either, because you you saw that it wasn't the best restaurant. No, it was just well, the we, convenience of it. We know where it is. It's always like we're always like kind of in that area. But anyways, and so like I appreciate the fact that it wasn't really about like a flex. Like there was no one saying this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what we you know. This is what it's about. It was about meeting somebody new. It was about having a conversation and just you know learning about other things, learning about other people, learning about kind of just absorbing everything right and like i i the greatest respect for that because like everything started to pop up like oh wait you know complex and and this and then like i said the couple articles that that came about that you had a hand in um the second thing is the fact that when it comes to like finding a level like finding like you know you're going up these stairs and you hit a floor and in your eyes you're like this could be the ceiling but there's another staircase this way to my right. I'm going to take the staircase because I need to learn more about this industry or I need to learn more about, you know, how can I become better? A lot of people nowadays, when they hit that fork, they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to stay right here on this, on this floor and just stay <laughs> comfortable. Right. I'm going to yeah. write about music all my life or I'm going to write only about this. And what I hope our listeners can take away from it. A lot of times is, you kind of have to become uncomfortable or not be willing to become uncomfortable to grow. Yeah, and it, yeah, absolutely. I don't think you've like kind of said that, but I kind of feel like you're all about that. Like, you know what? I need to learn more about the sales part of this business. Let me go over here and figure that out before I become some kind of like tyrant or some kind of out of control editor. That's not understanding what my sales team needs from me. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was exactly why I made that jump and, like exactly, that was like the exact reason why I made that jump because there were like meetings where, you know, we were going at it, and there's one meeting where um, uh, one of the women in, on on the sales team was like, "All right, well, you know, what can we do to better help you?" And I was like, "I don't even know." Yeah. Like, I, like I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I, I know what I think. I should tell you, but I don't know if that's even going to work. And then if I tell you some shit that doesn't work, then I'm no better than anybody else I'm yelling at. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So I was like, damn, all right, I have to go learn. Uh, I go learn more about this because I, I don't, I, like, I just don't want to be in that position again. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Man, it's, it's interesting to me because sometimes I feel like, uh, this podcast has become like church, you know what I'm saying? Where, where, <laughs> and I say that because, I mean, and I'm not by any means the most religious person. Um, out of the, the two of us, that's probably more so John, but I'm sure both of you guys can relate in the sense that when you go to church, the right church, uh, it almost feels like whatever's going on with you in, your, in that moment of your life, something will speak to you, right? And, right. Uh, this podcast seems to do that quite often, whether it's um, it, it's just by coincidence or whether it's because maybe subconsciously I, I'm making it happen that way. But uh, that that's the same thing. It's like I've I've had to remind myself uh, in the last few years, like it's okay to get uncomfortable. 
You know what I mean? And almost not just, is it okay to get uncomfortable? But it's almost like, uh, I look for ways to get uncomfortable, you know? Right. Like this is not my norm. This is not going to be comfortable, but I'm never going to learn anything unless I do this, you know? Right. And, um, that's definitely, uh, like, like John said, it's definitely something that it looks like you look for as well. And that's what's allowed you to get to where you're at, you know? Yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, I, I think every move I've made, um, I've made for a reason, but I never knew if that was going to work. I never right. knew if, you know, if what I saw in my head was actually going to you know, come to be. Or if it was going to be enough. Right. Yeah. Even if it was, like, even if you knew, like, yeah, this is the angle I need to go, but I don't know if it's going to, one, if I'm going to be right, two, is it going to be enough of what I'm looking for, and three, what's going to come out from it, right? Right. Right. Yeah, I've been been very fortunate in that a lot of the things that I've done have worked out, uh, because I I know it could could very well (laughs) have not worked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, before we move into another, I'm going to go on a different tone just to kind of, because it's in my head fresh now. The, David and I have a lot of conversation about music. We, we talk about music all the damn time. I think probably every other day it's about something music related. Last year we had a conversation. I had a conversation with my wife and I brought it up to David and I said, I needed I needed your top 10 like best R&B slow jams or whatever. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said that to him and it's funny because like, I was having this, you know, you kind of, you kind of always want to refresh your memory and kind of re- research a couple of things. And an article you, you had a hand in was um, at Complex. It was like the top 50 R&B songs in the 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like blown away. I was like, man, like the guy I met, you know, a, earlier this year or a year ago, kind of, you know, put his hand into this. And it's like, it's very thoughtful, very um thorough in regards to different types and different reasons why this song was picked in this level a lot of times we just pick a song because it's an emotional thing for us or it becomes like it brought me back to the same like you know time when that song came up so it's like you know one of the things that i was really impressed by was the fact that how that was written and like and you guys wrote it it was a group writ right i think right you were you had like you wrote 40 somebody else wrote 30 somebody else wrote 20 But then a lot of it was like very like it looked like that team was very much in sync with that. Like, you know, you guys kind of had the the same vibe and and whatnot. So when you put together a team that you had, has it always been like a handpicked team or was it where a bunch of people like somebody above you would just put everybody back together in front of you and then you had to decide how to make it work? Like, which was the play for that? No, it's it's usually the writers for those things are handpicked by the by us to because we think that they would have something really interesting to say or they you know have a knowledge base that um that matches what we're going for or what we're working on so it's always people who we want to hear something from um and, and you know those lists are are crazy because every time we every time we produce them uh the audience would you know come for our next and so we had to make sure that what we were writing <laughs> had you know some some strong foundations or we would get flamed i mean a lot of time you get flamed for anything but it's yeah. you know you have to make sure that what you're putting out there is uh is right 
and good. And so, you know, it's very important to pick people who are very knowledgeable about the certain topic or it's going to come off super bad. It's, it's interesting because uh, especially with a topic like that, it's like at the end of the day, there's a lot of opinion involved. Yeah. Um, and so anytime you have a list, anytime there's a top this or that, you know, people are not going to have the same opinion. But I understand what you're saying in the sense of you have to have that foundation for even the people who don't agree with you to be like, all right, you got a valid point. You know what I mean? Right. At least the people who are who are actually, you know, putting the effort into understanding and and really uh, reading it thoroughly. um, There's there's that. Okay, you have a valid point. I understand where you're at with that. You know what I mean? Even me and John, when we put the list together, it was a very different list. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember feeling put on the spot because I was like, bro, like I trust me, I love R and B music, but there's so many angles, you know. Yeah, we had um, to we had to make a line. Yeah, so I was like, I need you to just narrow this down a little bit for me, you know. Yeah. And I was like, I'll do it because it's gonna be fun, you know. Like it's gonna put me in this R and B mood that I haven't been in quite some time, and um, listen to some old tracks, you know. So it was cool. Um. But yeah, articles like that are, are yeah. fun, man. Yeah, yeah. I see. So, th- you, after you said that you went to Car and Driver, and how long were you at Car and Driver Road Track? Because they're still around. They haven't been yeah, yeah. by the whole like magazine world or uh, the magazine monster, whatever you want to call it. No, I was there. I was there for a little over a year. Okay. Yeah, I was there for a little over a year, and. Uh, I was I was there for a little over a year because uh, Noah called and again was like, "Hey, you know, we need uh, we're looking for somebody to do this. Would you be interested?" And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, if you're there, I'll I'll I'll, I'll come back." Um, and so I went, went back and I, I became um, director of content, and I was happy at Hearst. I was really enjoying the job. I think it was it's a great company and a great uh, group of people that. Uh, work on both brands um, but uh you know complex was like home so right. when i went back there uh as director of content it was great because i got to finally like run the show like you know i, I got to finally um, command a team that worked on everything and then uh you know a few months later uh noah announced that he was leaving to go to um to go to uh, uh, um, what do you call it, Def Jam? Oh, okay. And uh, so when he left, uh, I got bumped up to um, editor in chief, and and yeah, I was editor in chief for about two years, and that was amazing. It was extremely fun and extremely gratifying, extremely difficult. Probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Uh, in my professional career, um, but it was it was great. It was great to finally be at the top of this brand that I've given you know so much of my uh, professional life to. It was it was great. Um, altogether, how many years uh, did you work for Complex? Uh, let's see, maybe seven or eight. Oh wow! Altogether. Okay. Gotcha. You're you're speaking about it in past tense. Is there a reason? Oh yeah. So 
uh, earlier this year, uh, I left. Uh, I started having a few conversations with a friend. Uh, this, is, this is gonna sound super douchey, but it's not. I'm just. It's just the way it is. <laughs> I'm not. It's just. I'm not. There's no other way to say what I'm about to say. No, go ahead. Go but, ahead. Um, so, yeah, I was talking to my friend uh, Jermaine, who's J. Cole, the rapper, about his company, and he was telling me that he was looking for somebody t- to come in. They're building a new team, and he was interested. He's wondering if I would come on and you know help with them, like rebuilding it, and uh, you know essentially like formalizing a few of the verticals they have and, 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 you know, just making sure that, that the company runs as, as efficiently as possible. And, um, we went back and forth a little bit and, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I accepted the job, um, as president of Dreamville and, uh, I've been there for a few months now and, and, and it's, it's great. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I've known Jermaine since we were in college. We were roommates uh, at for, from sophomore year up until. Shit. That's so random. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were roommates. Uh, that was gonna be my next question. Like, hold on, that's fine that your homies with J Cole, but like, how? You know? Yeah, we were roommates in college. We met freshman year, and uh, you know, he was in that group I was talking about of people that were just like super into arts and super into. Into creating and consuming art. And, so, uh, so, so here we go again. For those of you listening, uh, all these conversations and <laughs> messages, and this last two hours, and this is the first that we're hearing about J. Cole being one of the people in that group. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you, like we can't pay you to brag about something. It's, <laughs> it's, it's tough because it's like I, you know there's nothing to brag about i didn't like, nah, nah, like i, I didn't make, make it i'm just saying yeah. and we've we've john and i have talked about this with each other plenty of times but even on this podcast in a world where people are just i mean dude people name drop about the dumbest things you know what yeah. i'm saying like yeah. you could be at the grocery store and someone's name dropping and you're just like all right dude i'm just trying to buy some milk you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's how bad it's gotten. Right. So that's why we can sit here and laugh about it because it's great, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel so that. I feel that. How How's that been? Has it been? Uh... It's, it's been cool. It's like, you know, it's, uh, I've never worked at a company that was like a label first and then was growing and expanding into more. So this isn't, it's an interesting learning experience in that end. Um, but it's also like, you know, very interesting to um, to work on building something because it's it has like a startup feel to it, and right. you know, there's a lot of good energy, a lot of like excitement from the staff, and everyone's really happy and excited to like do the things they're doing, um, and so it's it's great. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Is there like a is there an office that you guys have that you go to every day? I mean. Obviously, yeah. Um, there's an office uh, in in Brooklyn, but right now it's it's closed, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Um, hopefully by next year we can we can open it back up and 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 you know get people back in there. 
Right. Um, well, damn, dude. Uh, from so all the experience that you have had over the years, do you feel like you have all the tools to do what you're doing? Uh, yes and no. I think there's learning days. Yeah, there's definitely moments where I'm I'm learning new things and and um, I'm having to teach myself, you know, certain skills to get through certain certain problems we're having, but. I think uh, because I've I've had to, you know, relaunch things and build teams and manage big teams, um, that's really uh, it's really helped me in in, in adjusting to this, um, mm-hmm. you know. But it's also like it's also uh, uh, um, the first time I've worked with friends. On something. Oh yeah. Mm, there's still that side of it too. Yeah. yeah. So That's it's true. like it's 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 also learning like how to balance that and how to you know I've never had I never worked with people who I was friends with before I worked with them like all the people I've who I am friends with that I've worked with I was I met them on the job, and, right? And we became friends. Whereas these are people who I just knew, uh, you know, back when we were in college, and now. And now we're all coworkers, so it's a it's an interesting uh, transition. Man, that's yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> and again, um, back to what I said in the beginning, uh, it's the only things like this only happen in in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your your college roommates with uh, one of the greatest rappers alive. <laughs> Well, it's crazy because, you know, like he went to New York to become a rapper because in his head, that's where the rap industry was. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 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 And that's what I mean. It's like sometimes you you have to go find the opportunity that you're looking for, you know. Right. Um, Right. and, And I get it that that's there's a place there's always different places for that. Um, some people consider California to be that place. Some people consider New York. Some people consider Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's only New York, but I'm just saying it's uh, it's interesting how these things come together. Um, and and even in all the things that you've done, like think about from 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 a consumer standpoint, everything that you've done is like amazing everywhere you've worked. But it was almost just a, an extension of the network. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, uh, that's the part that's like you can't really get get that anywhere else, you know. Um, I mean, you know, I try very hard to not burn bridges and to be nice to everybody and to, you know, to treat yeah. with respect and to like I, I never want to I never want people to to be like oh yeah like Damien yeah I worked with him the guy's an asshole. Like I never, wanted people, <laughs> never wanted people to think that or, or to um no nah, you, you know what it is and it's like what I like to tell people um I want to be that guy where if someone says something negative about me then you already know that there's something about the person that's telling it to you you know right what I mean? right like um if if you know me and you have negative things to say then you don't really know me and right. your opinion isn't isn't really valid in that situation right so 
um yeah it that's it goes a long way i try to tell that to people and especially like when i'm talking to people that are younger than me i'm like you know just be genuine be honest be real don't burn bridges be respectful and those things will take you far yeah top of you know all the other traits that you will have but if you go with those first you're definitely going to get somewhere far you know yeah i agree i agree with that well uh it seems like we've pretty much covered your journey to current day <laughs> um I, i'm i'm excited man like not just uh i mean yeah you're involved in exciting things but like knowing you it's almost one of those things where you have that um you know like genuinely happy for someone you know and i remember when i uh hit you i mean i'm gonna be honest with you like i was telling john there's certain people that i was kind of nervous to ask to be on the podcast and i think it was more so because um i guess the excitement for me and their story so like for you like your story is so exciting to me that it was like oh man i really want to do this you know what i'm saying Um, and I remember when you, when I hit you up and you said, well, I'm not at complex anymore. And I was kind of like, well, that's fine. You know, like that, that, that doesn't matter. I still want you to be on the podcast. But then when you told me where you're going, I was just like, oh man, how exciting is that? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, they hit you for something or they hit, yeah, they they hit you for something and, um, and you're like, oh yeah, well, I'm not there anymore. And And they're like, oh, okay. And it's like. You know, that's a cra- fade away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like all right, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't really need people like that around me anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's always it's always funny to see people like that. Yeah, yeah, I, think, uh, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> important part that I really wanted to, um, and like I said, I've been very intrigued by journalism altogether, um, and I think the important part. I wanted to make sure that we covered in this episode was one, how did you fall into journalism? And then two, the fact that you are able to um, be who you are and still be responsible for what you've been responsible for. You know what I mean? And kind of just still be that genuine real person. Um, I appreciate that. One of the uh, moments that I was just like, I don't know how you do it. Uh, you interviewed Nas, right? And that's yeah. That was, uh, I don't remember what it was for. I think it was for Complex Con. But I messaged you like, "Oh my god!" You know, like <laughs> if if me being yeah, it was how I am in hip hop. Like I was like, "How did you do that?" You know. <laughs> yeah, it was so so crazy. So we um, uh, there's this uh, what do you call it? It's like a, a a speaker series like a panel series at complex con called complex conversations and every year we had to book it and we had to come up with these ideas for it and one one that we wanted that we always wanted to do that we had our eyes on was the belly panel oh, oh. that's what it was and the end, yeah and the anniversary was coming up and so we reached out to to hype high williams early and reached out to him like yo we really want to do this and he was like really like Nah, no one wants to talk about belly. And I was like, <laughs> I had to convince him that belly was like such an important part of, 
of the culture and that belly was like so <laughs> so beloved by people and he's like people really want to hear me talk about that and i was like yeah bro it's belly <laughs> like it's one of the coolest movies ever yep. and uh you could honestly you could have interviewed hype williams and talk about anything and people would have yeah, been yeah. interested oh yeah, yeah. and and i think i think he was like you know okay if everyone else is in then i'll do it and nas was like of course yeah done i'm in and T-Bows was like, yeah, I'm in. And it, it was crazy because they were, like, so quick with it. They were just like, oh, yeah, of course. And um, so it all you, came together. Sorry, not to cut you off, but are you the person who's responsible to make that contact and ask? For, for in Hype, this situation. I was. Yeah, for Hype? Yeah, but at Complex, we had a talent team, and they would go out, and they would pitch the talent, and they would, you know, uh, talk to their teams and get the contracts done and stuff like that. So do you, you know, in this moment when you have to hit up hype, do you get nervous about it, or are you just like, yo, what oh, up? Hype? Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm like, I'm nervous to ask you to be on my podcast. You're hitting up of hype, course. Williams. You know I mean? no, I'm always, always nervous because you know it's like, it's like, uh, how do you convey how important this is to you without sounding like a fanboy? Right. And you know, it's like, this is so, so important, not just to me, but to our audience. And, you know, I really, really, I really, really, really want you to do it, Hype. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just afraid for him to, like, the big fear is that he's just like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, quick with it. Yeah. No, and, and then and there's no, there's no possibility of convincing him. It's just cool. like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm straight. <laughs> nope. Yeah, like, nah, nope. <laughs> all right that, so, so you get them they're on board and then yeah and then so it's like we're in a meeting and we're like um all right cool dope so who's gonna do this who's gonna who's gonna host it and, and our head of talent this woman <laughs> named uh kp was like uh damien you should do it this is your idea and i was <laughs> like fuck uh okay they put okay. me on the spot yeah Sure, sure, sure. And I'd never hosted anything like this before. And it was like in a room. Uh, there's a video of it on YouTube. Yeah. But like the room is huge. It's like 500 people in a ballroom. And I was like, I, I can't do this. But they convinced <laughs> me to do it. And uh, we're in the green room before we all go on stage. And it's me, Nas, and Hype. And, uh, and uh, you know, they're just like, the, the three of them are, are like talking and catching up and cracking jokes and uh and i'm like this is amazing i'm just staring at them like i cannot believe i'm standing <laughs> in front of nas hype williams and t-boz and they're just like cracking jokes at one another and like you know reminiscing about the past like, i i cannot believe this is happening right. and uh and then uh you know, they're all talking, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's an amazing story. I forgot what he was talking about, but I was like, this is an amazing story. What happened next? And he was like, no, 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 I'll tell you on stage. And I was like, oh, no, okay, cool. And then um, we get on stage, and I'm so nervous. Like, I had a terrible stutter when I was a child. I okay. had to, like, go to speech therapy and work it out. I still stutter here and there, but when I was a child, it was terrible. It was so bad. So I had, like, this huge, huge fear of public speaking. And... Uh, so when I got on stage, I like started thinking about like the uh, 
the, the exercises that we used to do when I was like in elementary school and <laughs> speech class just, yeah. just so I just so I didn't like start stuttering on stage oh. and um he sat down and you know there's like a clock on the bottom of the stage and I remember looking at it and it was like you know like 55 minutes or 45 minutes and I was like oh my god this is gonna be so long this is gonna be a disaster <laughs> and, and uh, we get going and it's it just starts flowing and yeah. i remember looking at i remember looking at the clock again and it was like 20 minutes and i was like oh no that's not enough time like we need more time we need more time but it was crazy because i i was so scared i did not know how it was going to go i thought i thought i was going to like completely fuck it up but i was very happy that um it went smoothly and hype and nas were, were you know super happy and t-boss was super happy and you know i was just very grateful Damn. that they even decided to do it well uh from from my point of view that was the part that i just felt like i couldn't believe you were able to do that because it did not come off that way at all it was like you weren't nervous at all you were just sitting in a room with people that you've had multiple conversations with and you were just gonna you know naturally talk and i remember i was just like you know i i i'm a firm believer in that i don't get starstruck and I've always felt all people are equal and you treat everybody the same. But, you know, when you when you grow up listening to someone like Nas and and really like loving everything about that music and that era and what he represented, you're going to have a bit of you that's like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, and then, you know, hearing your story i know that you are like-minded in that sense where you had to be feeling the exact same way like yo i've always listened to this dude and he's right here in front of me you know so yeah it's it's crazy to meet somebody like Nas because you're like yeah my friend uh, jeremy um he he said it best he's like it's uh what do you say to somebody who you've listened to more than your best friends, your parents, you know, like mm -hmm. all, all, all your loved ones. Like when I was having like my worst days, I would listen to Nas. When I was having my best days, I'd listen to Nas. Like this mm -hmm. is a person who has been with me through so many life events. So to, right. to be in front of him now, it's like, I don't even know what to say to him. Like besides like, thank you. Yeah, I've always said that. I've always said the day that I get to meet those, you know, the handful of whether it be uh, artists, um, actors, you know, like, forget the autograph and photo, man. Like, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And whether they understand that wholeheartedly or not, hey, I said my part, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's you know, it's crazy. It's like, uh, that's still crazy. I think about it and it still blows my mind. <laughs> that's cool. Nah, man. Complex Con's crazy thing too. Yeah. yeah, that was nuts. That was a crazy endeavor. I still look back on that. I'm like, it blows my mind that we even got that off the ground. I always wanted to go at least once, man. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come back. To. Hopefully. Yeah, um, <laughs> Hopefully. And I, I remember too, uh, you actually hit me one day like, yo, I'm in Long Beach at Complex Con. If you want to roll through, let me know. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I don't, I, I had some family thing going on. And uh, I remember I was like, fucking a are you kidding me like this is the thing you never want to ask someone for 
right? <laughs> right, like, right. You never right. want to be like, yo, what's up? What's I know up, you get me in the complex con, you know? And then it's like, <laughs> you're just like, hey, I'm over here if you want to roll through it. I'm just like, fuck me. <laughs> and I don't even know why uh, I want to go to complex con, to be honest with you, because I'm not like, you know, I'm not like these kids that are into every single thing, but I think it's just the operation of the entire. Yeah, like, it's still a fun day to just yeah. like walk through once. It's still like a cool thing to experience, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love those things. I love going to those things, even if it's not like my own kind of like hobby or, you know, interest. It's just it's kind of nice to kind of see what that world is like. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stuff in Complex Con that, you know, we appreciate. We love, you know, love the sneakers, love the, the music. But at the same time, it's like it's not the life that we you know, revolves around us. But it's kind of it's important to kind of get a glimpse of it, you know, because. Yeah. To get to gain an understanding, you know, I think a lot of times too, a lot of people don't really take the time to gain an understanding of any genre at all. You know, they just kind of throw it off to the side. You know, they don't really care or whatever. But it's it's crazy because we've always talked about going to ComplexCon. I live in Northern California, so I'm not really, you know, near nearby. But I have a lot of friends that you know during the weekend. I worked at Apple for a lot of my time frame, and uh, they they'll be like, "Hey, uh, can I get this weekend off?" And I was like, "Well, I'm gonna be." around for SEMA, working on stuff for SEMA, I, you know, and I need you like back at the office. And I was like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're going to ComplexCon. I'm like, I can't say no to that. <laughs> you got your tickets. And I was like, I can't say no to you, you know? So like oh. we would be bare bones at the office, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Okay. You can't let, you can't because, you know, these, these cats were traveling because this is what they were passionate about. I, I couldn't be the guy to be like, no, 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 no. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Take the, you know, go ahead and go leave Thursday so you guys can, you know, get rested because I know it's going to be crazy for you guys. Uh, so, 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 and you, so you, you guys put together something great. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the craziest moment for me wasn't even on stage or a, a real part of the show. There was, um, there was one year my boy Jeremy came out, my girl was there and her cousin was there and, uh, I met them for lunch in, in the, in the, uh, in like the, the uh, food hall place, like the, like where all the food trucks were. And, uh, they were sitting next to this random kid. And so I walk over and I'm looking at them like, yo, who the hell is this kid? And, <laughs> and, and they introduced him to me and they're like, yeah, this is Damien, Damien. I'm so sorry. I forget this kid's name, but, um, he was from Florida and he wanted to be a shoe designer. Uh-huh. And he saved his money and he came to ComplexCon just to be around it and just to like, you know, make some connections and, 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 you know, just like take everything in. And they told, like, he told them the story and, and he was like, well, what are you guys doing here? And they were like, oh, well, you know, funny story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, we know the editor in chief. And he was like, what? And so he came back and I met him and I was just, I was just sat down to eat lunch and he was like, you know, he was like, wow, oh my God, I, I love Complex. And so I gave him my card, like, yo, like when you're done with school, just, you know, like, uh, give me a shout and we'll Figure try to out. see what you can do. Yeah. But that, they just so, it blew me away so much that he saved his money, traveled across the country just for this. It, it was really... It really showed me like how powerful this thing was. 
it's interesting the moments that you'll remember forever, right? Yeah. People yeah. always think it's like the uh, they they have their idea of of what it's gonna be, but it's like no, nah, it was the kid that that got himself there. That you were like, why is he sitting at our lunch table? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you always remember that forever, man. I think that's lost now, though. Like I think that whole feeling and understanding of that of that kid's life of what he's you know trying to do and accomplish is lost in this world. I think everyone's gotten into this whole like influencer, influencer, influencer. I'm gonna drop your name, I'm gonna drop someone's name. That right. they forget about the guy, the kid that like puts together that works really hard all summer, even a couple of years, to just try to be in the area to just right. absorb. Like I, I think that's long long forgotten we got to find kids like that we got to find people like that we got to share their stories yeah you know yeah yeah it's tough that's cool man well um in closing i just wanted to kind of ask you um with your new position now what's one goal that you have of of any just because i'm curious it's interesting uh there's so many goals i think the main goal is to have it in like a year or so you know have it be a profitable self-sustaining self-operating entity nice just you know just have it just have it running just have all the new divisions all the new um you know like all the new things we're doing just have all of them running smoothly it made me very, it made me very happy. And and I, I hate to ask this, but I just feel like it's it's that time. Um, is is COVID, is COVID slowing down the process at all? Oh, of course, of course. It's it's uh, yeah, it's screeching halt. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of traveling that can't be done. Um, there's a lot of just like a lot of productions that can't happen. Um, you know, Dreamville has. Uh, it, it has its own festival called Dreamville Fest that happens in North Carolina, and that couldn't happen this year. We're hoping it happens next year, but yeah, it's it's affected a lot of things. Um, you know, we're trying to make sure everyone's staying safe and and you know not putting themselves in harm's way. Yep. Well, man, uh, if uh, if you're History doesn't uh, speak for itself. I uh, definitely think the right person's on the job and the person to weather the storm, if you will. Uh, it seems like you're, like we said, you're comfortable in those uncomfortable situations. So I'm sure you'll, it'll all pan out. All right. Well, I appreciate that. In closing, for me, it, for someone like, for, for like David and I, we, you know, we do a lot of things. We, you know, we, we collaborate on a million things, but for the fact that you know you've known J Cole for so many years, you've known him before he technically became J Cole, that he's still willing to put together technically what is his his dream, put it in your hands and have you run the company for him. That says a lot about you because a lot of people won't put like their closest friends in that position, you know, with the insight knowing like you know our friendship could be at risk or you know all that crazy stuff that can happen with that. The fact that he is so willing to put you there. And have you run, you know, pretty much the whole thing? It speaks testaments to to your character, to the person that you are. And I, I'm personally honored to to know that I got to sit down in a little restaurant in Chinatown, and we talked about stuff that had nothing to do with this. 
<laughs> for real, man. You know, for real. So. Uh, yeah, that's dope. I, I appreciate that. And hopefully, we can all sit down in a a, a, a mediocre restaurant and and uh, you know <laughs> share stories again. I'm, I'm itching, man. Soon, hopefully, sooner than later. Because damn it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're like you. You already know. I'm sure you can see from my posts and, and and our conversation that New York's definitely my favorite place to be. And I had planned on being there four times this year. So uh, being at home, and not being able to travel, it's like, damn, I can't wait for that trip. Yeah, man. It's yeah. rough. It's rough. Like I, I was telling you know, telling my wife, I, we need to go to New York. She hasn't been, and so it's like we're gonna go there just us two, leave the kids home. She's yeah. got to see it. Yeah. Yeah, let I me mean, know. I, if you come, let me know. I need to do a. Uh, I'm actually gonna have to do a, a separate trip than what I normally do. Um, my buddies from Gardens and Seeds. Uh, it's a brand that, and we had them on a previous podcast. But uh, a lot of their supporters have been from New York, so they, as soon as they can, they want to get out there to to show the love back. So, I think I'm gonna hop on board for that trip. So whenever that happens. It should be pretty dope. Still, you still got the bands, right? That's you. He's talking to you. <laughs> Me? Yeah, you still yeah. got the, the wagon, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. that's like that's like my uh, daily driver. Uh, Is it really? Yeah. Um, it's a it's a gas guzzler, but I love it so much. It makes me happy every time I get into it. Yo, I heard those cars uh, suck as much gas as trucks. Yeah, man, it's crazy. But it's actually. Honestly, it's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be, but it's definitely mm-hmm. like, like I'm I'm used to driving like you know s- small Japanese cars, so right driving this is like a completely different scenario, and I was just blown away by how much gas it takes in. But I, it might be that I'm just used to it now, but I don't think it's that bad. I'm it's like <laughs> maybe like 18 miles a gallon, which is terrible. Nah, but it's not that bad. It's not, it's <laughs> not, could be worse. Could be worse. Yes. Could be worse. Well, if yeah. you travel before we do, and you wind up finding yourself in California, we'll definitely have to do some car stuff, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I have the uh, the uh, TSXs in the shop now. Hopefully, it's done by like the middle of October. Um, I can, I like, I want to uh, do Bring it some out. stuff with that. Yeah. Oh man, it's cool. You still have that TSX. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, yeah. Really I, I love it. I've been building that for a little while like it i had to like put it on the back burner for a while because work was crazy but now that i've i had a little bit of time with with uh like off of work and you know i think nice. it's i think it's coming along nicely it took me a while to find that uh full mutant kit and and then um i found a bunch of other pieces that i was always looking for and i i ordered a bunch of tota stuff for the engine and oh got, shit got a bunch of like um I think it's like this spoon hood, like an M&M carbon fiber trunk, and then a bunch of other stuff that's going to get thrown onto it. So hopefully in the middle of October, it'll be like in really, So really basically what you're saying is by the time we uh, fly again? can, yeah, by the time we can have another event out there, you'll, you'll be ready. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I like, I think it's, I think it's good, but. I'm gonna try to submit it. Like my dream is to get it into. I never, I've never had a car in a show before ever. See what I mean? It still says submit, John. So hey. I'm gonna. I'm. I. I hope that once it's finished, I can. We'll I can, you know, show it to you guys, and hopefully it it can uh it could be worthy enough to to uh, sit on the floor at one of your shows. Uh, 
I already I'm know. I'm sure it'll be far. fine. Then, yeah, uh, we're, uh, yeah. I mean, even the, the your current daily driver is going to be more than sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> in our eyes. In my eyes, at least. I, I When I first saw it, I was just like, man, I want a car like that again. Like, I want a wagon. I love yeah. it. It's like, you know? it's, 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 it's good to just like, you know, throw shit in and it's good to just drive if you're just feeling like you want to get out of the house. So it's like the yeah. perfect, perfect everyday yeah. car. Well, hopefully we'll get to see it in person one day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Get on the plane. For sure. We're cool. Thank you. And Damien, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for letting me dig into your story. I know sometimes it gets hard to, uh, to, you know, let all your, your story out and talk about yourself for, two plus hours but i appreciate it i don't know thank you guys for even inviting me on the show i really appreciate it nah, thank you